This is That's in the Bible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 105 Limits. What are God's limits? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. Have you wanted to learn what the Bible has to actually say and about a variety of different different topics? Then you've tuned into the right place here at That's in the Bible, where we take a look at a number of different topics. And, you know, I have to tell you, I was uh, listening to some uh, podcasts myself on podcasting, of all things. One of the things they were saying is that often your back catalog will have what they were calling evergreen topics, or evergreen meaning that it was always going to be current. And um, for a lot of the podcasts that are out there, that's not going to be the case, because if it's a sports podcast, then some of that's going to be outdated, unless it's the, you know, the most recent, because... You know, they they come and go. The Super Bowl, the World Cup, baseball, World Series, all those things. It's, it you know, they, the current ones are usually the ones that people are most interested in. But it's not that, not the same way with uh, that's in the Bible. All of our episodes are evergreen, and I mean the studies themselves that we talk about. Sure, at the beginning of the podcast, we you know update each other and, and you on where we're at and what we're doing, but the, the bulk of what we do is a Bible study, a Bible lesson on different topics, and those are always what, what are called evergreen, always ready to go. And to help us with that, we have with us, joining us, a full crew here today. We've got Pastor Strobel from Lockport, New York. How are you, Pastor Strobel? I'm very well, by the grace of God. Thank you. Glad you could join us again today. And we also have uh, Pastor Steve Bear from uh, West Seneca, I guess it is, right, Steve? That's where I'm at. I'm doing fine. Thanks, Eric. And we've got Matthew, um, who is all the way up in the Arctic. Doing well. Good to be here. Good to have you, Matt. And, you know, somebody was, uh, they made an announcement the other day. They went to Antarctica and they said, well, we might have the most southerly podcast available. And I was thinking, well, we might have the most northerly podcast there available. You <laughs> there you go. Right, with, Amen. You, with you up in Point Hope, Alaska. Amen. It's been cold there, hasn't it? It has been. The last couple of weeks have been uh, just, you know, I thought we were done with the real, real cold weather. But, uh, yeah, it's been uh, the past at least four days. It's been uh, without the wind chill, negative 20, negative 25. It got down to negative 28 a couple nights ago without the wind chill. But with the wind chill, it's about negative 40 uh, or a little bit lower than that uh, Fahrenheit. So it's uh, it's tough. You know, it's tough to keep uh, everything working. And my my four wheeler trying to get that thing to start in the in the morning is difficult. So I have a diesel little uh, diesel heater out there and I have to put that thing on there for like an hour, you know, just wow. to try and get the thing to start. So I feel bad for the vehicle, <laughs> Yeah, but it finally started. So is Amen. it, uh, you know, on those cold days, is it tough to throw those covers off and get moving? You know, the blessing is God's really, you know, God's really good. I mean, we, we live in a house where 
We only have uh, one heater. It's called the Toyo Stove. If you look it up online, it's mostly just used here in Alaska. And uh, we just have one heater. Um, it's, uh, you know, used by stove oil, uh, diesel fuel. And, uh, and that thing will heat the whole entire house. You just got to keep all the doors open and uh you know we can keep this house around 70 degrees so it's it's not too bad it's just when you got to go take the dog out because you don't want it to get uh attacked by a polar bear or uh or a fox or something like that you kind of got to go out and uh, make sure she's okay so that's when it's tough when you got to go outside first thing in the morning it sure wakes you up that's for sure yeah i bet i bet <laughs> and uh how about you steve how are things in the west seneca well, we're doing fine. We're getting ready for a warm-up here for the next couple of days, but then it'll drop back down. But, uh, you know, we're just used to it. My wife doesn't like this weather at all. I don't mind so much, but uh, uh, I, I enjoy the changing of the seasons and having the snow. But by the time March runs around, I'm I'm done. I'm I'm really done and uh, want, the, want the warmer weather to come in. So we're not quite there yet, but uh, we're getting there. Man. And Pastor Strobel, how are things in Lockport, New York? Uh, Weather-wise, I'm pretty much on par with uh, Brother Steve. <clears throat> and we are looking forward to hitting 50 degrees tomorrow and yes. Thursday, the Lord willing. Yes. I'm sure there'll be a lot of wind with that because that's how it goes. It blows it in and then it blows yep. it back out. <laughs> Amen. Uh, since the last time we talked, too, we, we got some more snow. We got hit, I mean, in our area, Lockport isn't usually the one that gets the most snow, but I think the last couple ones we've been on top uh, yep. right up there at the top because uh, we had the first big one was 21.8 inches of snow that it dumped on us uh, rather quickly pretty much on an overnight type of a thing and uh, into the day bit and the last one though was a slower one it stretched it out over almost a couple of days or a good day and a half and that one got us another 17 inches uh, on top of that so it's fun in the suburbs i guess that's <laughs> <laughs> As far as church goes, we're keeping busy with that as well. Services go right along, and uh, we're also doing a little work. We're remodeling our fellowship room, um, and so I uh, have had a couple guys been helping, especially with that, um, one in particular right now. And looking forward to getting that back in, sh in well, actually in better shape and a nice, nice setup. We moved our fellowship room into a kid's Sunday school room, so actually that's where we did our watch night service fellowship there. And uh, last year, um, both myself and my wife, we uh, we started uh, fellowships for he, her her with the ladies, me with the men. And ladies will meet on uh, once a month, roughly or so, on Sunday or on Saturday mornings at eleven. And uh, again, about once a month, the men and I will meet on uh, Fridays at six thirty in the evening. And she does just a book club uh, with the ladies, and they went through. Um, Tozer's Pursuit of God uh, last uh, year, and now they've started another one with the ladies from Elizabeth Elliot uh, called Suffering is Never for Nothing. And so they just got to start on that last Saturday, and, and the men and I, uh, it's not an actual book club per se, but, I ha but part of it does have a time when I take them through uh, a book. And last year we did uh, Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds, and that was a um, a real blessing, and so we'll we'll have fellowship. Sometimes I show I showed him uh, Brother Gipps uh, videos of uh, what's the big deal about the King James. So we did that over several uh, times, and, and a couple other uh, videos that we we did. Um, good for men. 
although the King James is good for anybody. Right. That, uh, mm-hmm. said. And then uh, this year we're going through, we just started, in addition to everything else, going through uh, Philip Keller's uh, Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And uh, some real keen insight from the standpoint of somebody who uh, was a shepherd for about eight years uh, dealing with sheep and already from the first chapter getting a blessing there. So we'll do that. We'll get together. We'll uh, you know, have that fellowship, have some food, and uh, then uh, a prayer time at the end. That's a good time with the men. Amen. Sounds Amen. good. And Matt, what do you do up there in the uh, cold, frozen Arctic? <laughs> well, we've been keeping busy. We've got services almost every day. And um, I was showing you guys before we started the podcast, we, uh, we've almost got the ice rink here uh, all set up. Uh, we had to chop up uh, the snow the last, um, uh, it took us about three or four days to chop it up and then snow blow it out. But uh, that was about four feet tall. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, the rink's about 40 feet or 45 feet by about 20 feet. And uh, so we got to chop it up and it's just, uh, it's just a kind of a bed of stones. And so we just have to get a crust of water on there first, crust of ice, and then I uh, just keep watering it every day. And, uh, you know, the problem is it keeps snowing and, and, uh, so you gotta shovel it and then you gotta put water on it again. So it's a lot of work, but, uh, it's really worth it because every Saturday morning, once it gets all set and there's good weather, we have, uh, you know, teenage kids all the way down to four years old or three years old, even sometimes, which they shouldn't be skating, but, uh, out here and, uh, have a lot of fun. And then we're able to, you know, have some hot chocolate in between and preach to them a little bit and remind them, you know, churches tomorrow. And so it works out really well. So we've been busy doing that and, uh, just really good services. We had, we've been praying for a couple, uh, actually three teenagers to come back that haven't been coming for a couple of years now. And, uh, they were coming to our kids ministry for many years and, uh, you know, three years and then, um, and then teen class for a little while and it's been a blessing the last uh, few weeks. They've uh, been coming back. So that's been an answer to prayer, mm-hmm. a couple years in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, Patricia Delia Nasoyuk. I know my, my father-in-law, and I think my dad knows him yeah. too. And uh, so it's just huge answer to prayer to have them coming back. They're excited to be back. And one of their Bibles, nice, you know, Cambridge, um, large print, uh, King James Bible, that uh, we give out as prizes in teen class. Uh, one of the teens said, listen, mine has fallen apart because I let somebody else use it, you know, and they're all upset about it. So we're going to fix that up for them. So it's just huge answer to prayer, you know, that they're back. And so it makes everything worth it, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to see them still want to stick with the stuff and, and uh, you know, please their savior. So so we've been just keeping busy with uh, with church and, and uh Lord's blessed me, of course, my family, and just uh, just a great time out here in the mission field. Amen. And I, I'm sorry, Pastor Strobel. Wow, you could actually tell I was going to say something. I you could can't even see me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to follow up and ask Matt about uh, mentioning the ice rink, having to put water on it um, every day, watered every day. Is that to keep a, a smooth surface? Is that what that's for? Well, right now we haven't even gotten it to the point where it's smooth. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, uh, you know, the nice thing about the water is it, it finds those areas where it needs to be filled in, you know, but once you start out, we don't have any specific level ground, you know, or, or anything. We try and make it as level as we can, but it usually takes, uh, a month, month and a half of just putting, putting water on it every day to 
finally get it to be smooth. But yeah, then since we don't have a Zamboni or whatever, you know, anything like that. Yeah. We have to, uh, then once everybody starts skating on it, then yeah, we have to fill it all in with more water and stuff, but just trying to get it to where it's skatable, you know, it's, uh, it's hey, do a lot they of work. do they have like mini zambonis you can push <laughs> with your hands? You know, I know, we, uh, probably, huh? We need to get one. About a, lot. We, <laughs> about a lawnmower, <laughs> nice. Get a lawnmower yeah. where that chop some of the rough spots up. <laughs> it could. I don't think the blade would last yeah. very long. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're all in the United States, Matthew, way up there in the Arctic. Um, but the majority of our listeners are also from the Arctic, I'm sorry, not from the Arctic, but from the United States. And we also have listeners in Canada, United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, Philippines, South Africa, Dominion Republic, Dominican Republic, Japan, Northern Mariana Islands, and Ghana. So we'd like to uh, welcome everyone that's listening in, in those places. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Amen. 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 Steve, are you ready for limits? Does God set limits? I am ready. All right. Well, here we go. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Why don't you take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 20. And while you're turning there, let uh, let me go ahead and pray. And ask God to uh, bless this study here in this podcast today. Father, we want to thank you for the time that we have. I thank you for the opportunity and the avenues that you give us, Lord, to uh, get the word out. Thank you for these fellows that uh, I'm able to do this podcast with. It's been a real joy and a blessing to be with them and to uh, hear them teach and to just to, to talk about uh, you and about your word and ask God that you'd please bless them. Thank you for this time of study, and ask God that you'd please uh, bless, uh, fill me with your spirit, help me to say the things that you once said. I pray that Jesus Christ might be exalted in everything that's said and done. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 is a familiar passage. Uh, It is uh, the Lord speaking from Mount Sinai to the nation of Israel as they've gathered there after they've come out of the bondage of Egypt, and now they're gathered around Sinai to hear uh, from God. And uh, I I want you to understand that they hear from God directly. This isn't God speaking through Moses. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel themselves. So let's pick it up in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, am, uh, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy labor. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. 
In it thou uh, shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy, uh, thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh of uh, the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that uh, thy days may be long upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Uh, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings, and the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they were removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, that his fear may be before your faces, and that ye sin not. Now, We've read here uh, the story of Exodus, but what I want to do prior to getting into really what I'm I'm going to be talking about, and this all relates, so it's it's not anything that's that's deviating very far from it. But I I want to go through the four institutions that God has set up in scriptures, and the order that we find them in the scriptures. The first institution that we find is is the family, and it's found in Genesis chapter one. Uh, basically in verses 27 and 28, let me read that. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The first institution, again, is the family. The second institution is civil government. And it's it's indicated here in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, and obviously there's other portions of the scripture which verify this, but this is where it first shows up. In Genesis 9 verse 6, it says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Now, in essence, what that is, is God has given authority to mankind to execute judgment against those who violate the person of another. Now, obviously, we have other laws in the Mosaic Law that show us that, which was also a a guide to to those that established our own country. But also, uh, Romans chapter 13 talks about civil government and their place within society. The third institution that is found is found in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, 
and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, if you were to read on further, you'd find out that that promise and that blessing and that establishing of a nation goes through Isaac. It doesn't go through Ishmael. And from Isaac, you have Jacob and Esau, and it goes through Jacob. And then from Jacob, the 12 patriarchs, and from that, we we have the, the 12 uh, nation or 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And so, along with that, in chapter 15, God gives a land grant to the nation of Israel. Uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, in, uh, in, in that verse it says this, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So the land grant that the nation of Israel has is far greater than what we see today. And uh, that was given to the nation of Israel and to Abraham's seed. So want to make sure that you remember that. The fourth institution, and uh, obviously there's several references in the New Testament, but I'm just going to give the one that Jesus Christ mentioned initially, and that's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and that's the church. It says this, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Peter is not that rock. It's Jesus Christ. He's referring to himself. He's making a distinction between Peter and himself, and he's going to build this this church upon himself, not on, on Peter. Jesus Christ is the foundation of which everything else is built upon. You find that in the New Testament. So those are the four institutions that are established by God. And what I want to do is I want to bring uh, these institutions, I bring you these institutions because each of these institutions are under attack. And uh, they're they're under attack to uh, alter them, to change them, to redefine them, uh, to pressure them, the, the, the institutions themselves, to compromise within themselves to be different than what they were originally intended to be. Each of these institutions, as established by God, have built, have built in limits to protect and to allow them to function in the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, are limits. Limits. Could say boundaries, could say rules. But God has placed these rules and boundaries for these institutions' protection and functions. Whether you realize it or not, everything around us has limits or has rules. I mean, we can obviously state the obvious, the traffic signs, especially the speed limit signs. Uh, Those are there to uh, provide a protection. Now, you may disagree with the ones that have designated the amount, the, the speed that you can go in a certain area. You might disagree with that, but they have the authority to be able to authorize that limit of speed. Think beyond that. Every game that we play has limits. Unless, unless you're, you know, have, you know, little kids, you know, three or four or five years old. Uh, having a game that doesn't have any rules at all, and they're just making up the rules as they go. But every game has rules, whether it's basketball or baseball or football or anything. 
the games that are there, they have rules. All of them have boundaries. All of them have limits by which they can uh, play the game. Uh, sometimes they have these limits to protect people from injury. Uh, sometimes they have these these rules to protect or prevent cheating. Uh, sometimes they have these rules to uh, uh, promote a sense of fairness and so forth. And there's always these things in there that, that are there designed to keep the game a pure game so that everyone has the same opportunity to be able to participate and, and, and to win. Sometimes rules are added because of loopholes. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but there, there is, uh, of course, they don't call it the Steve Tasker rule, but, but, uh, Steve Tasker played for the Buffalo Bills, of which I'm quite familiar with. And, um, back in the heyday when they were going through their, their, uh, uh, four Super Bowl run, uh, Steve Tasker was what they called a gunner on the kickoffs and on punts and so forth. He would be on the outside. Uh, of the line there and would charge down there and try to tackle the guy that, that received the ball. And, uh, back in that time, uh, there were no rules on then going out of bounds and, uh, running through uh, to get down to the guy because they would have guys that would try to stop him. And sometimes they'd double team him. And what he would do is he would run out of bounds and then run through all of the players that were on the sidelines, whether it was on his team or the other team, to uh, avoid or run interference so these other guys couldn't block him and keep him from making the tackle. And so that was one of the loopholes that they've made. And, and uh, you know, now in today's football game, you can't uh, intentionally run out of bounds and then come back in and be the first one to tackle the guy with the ball. So sometimes rules are amended to give a sense of fairness, I guess you could say. But anyway, Everyone understands that there are rules and so forth. In fact, we can go beyond that. Many of you that might have homes and so forth have a fence or a wall that that uh, you have around your property. Uh, the reason for that is that you want to protect those that are in the yard, whether they're children or whether they're animals, to keep things out or to keep things in. You have a boundary. You have some people have this electric fence or whatever it is, or this invisible fence that they keep their animals in. They've got some sort of a electric uh, thing on their on their collar that that gives them a jolt if they try to go beyond the boundary of the yard that they've set up where that dog can go. And so there are boundaries that are given, and uh, there are limits and so forth. Imagine what it would be like if your body didn't have limits. Imagine what it would be like. Now, that boundary, if you haven't really figured it out yet, that boundary is your skin. Your skin is a limit or a boundary. God designed it to keep things out, and he also designed it to keep things in. <clears throat> Suppose that barrier uh, was not there to keep things out. Just imagine what would happen. Uh, the dust, the rain, the rays of the sun, would come and, and, and hit all those sensitive, uh, things, the muscle, the tissue, uh, uh, organs and so forth. And it, it would just uh, cause havoc on your body. You wouldn't be able to be, you wouldn't be able to live. Uh, imagine what it would be like if you didn't have that barrier there, that, that limit there with germs and bacteria. 
your skin is designed to for protection uh without that limit and uh this boundary uh we couldn't exist we'd die now what happens let, let's work on the other side of that what happens when the skin is compromised or punctured things on the outside on the inside would come out Obviously, we know that if the skin is punctured, uh, uh, more than likely you're going to bleed. Sometimes if the wound is severe enough, uh, as I've, I've read accounts in, in uh, uh, war situations, especially if you've ever seen uh, um, oh, the, the Tom Hanks movie on, on uh, D-Day, um, Saving Private Ryan, there it is. Saving Private Ryan, there's a scene where a guy is walking around and he's got his hands over his abdomen and what he's doing is he's holding all of his intestines and his stomach inside. He's just kind of in a daze, he's in a fog and he's just drifting around. Your skin is what holds all of those internal organs and, and tissues and things from coming out. It is a barrier to keep things in. That skin is there to provide a function. What would happen if there were no vessel linings for the veins and for the arteries to keep the blood flowing in the right direction, pumping from the heart? It would just diffuse throughout the body, and it wouldn't be able to supply the, the body with the oxygen it needs in order to function. God designed even a healing mechanism within the organ of the skin to heal itself to repair the breach uh, uh, of the uh, and the boundaries there there or to reestablish the boundaries i guess you could say god had created our body in such a way that it it made a limit or a boundary to cause it to be protected and also to function so that it would do the things that it's supposed to do now think of these institutions that God has set up with their limits and their boundaries. If they didn't have them, they'd be destroyed. They're being destroyed. God set up the family as a marriage between a man and a woman and to procreate, to have children. And there is a chain of authority. Uh, whether you realize it or not, when Eve fell, the Bible says this and says, And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. There's a sense of authority there. Now, I don't know if you think about it, but you realize that that was not part of the original plan, but a consequence of Eve's sin. Now, you, 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 you get all high and mighty and think that God is, is uh, unfair for doing that, but Eve broke the boundary that was set up, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and and uh, as a consequence of that, has that particular restriction put upon her. The government has laws to protect the people from each other, and as well has laws to protect the people from the government itself. Israel was given the Ten Commandments, and obviously many more, but by them, they were to be able to worship God. God gave them the uh, the um, sacrifices and so forth, so that their fellowship between them and God could be 
uh, maintained and so forth. The church was given the gospel by which they could be saved and the guidelines and the rules and the limits by which they could maintain fellowship with God. Take your Bible and go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. I just want to show you some of these things that God has placed upon the church as a limit to maintain fellowship with God. Sometimes people think that God's just up there being mean and nasty and and just putting all these rules and regulations on you, but they're there for a purpose. Colossians chapter 3, there's there's several of these uh, throughout Paul's writings. I just uh, picked this one here, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ with God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, or put to death, mortify, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. The reason why he doesn't want you to do these things is because his wrath is going to come upon him. Judgment, punishment. He doesn't want you to do those things as a Christian. Verse 7, In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. These Boundaries are not intended to kill freedom or expression or liberty, but to protect from the consequences of violating them. You realize sin has consequences. Society society has always tested the limits and stretched the boundaries, boundaries that God's given. Mankind has a rebellious nature and resists the notion that they are prohibited from doing something. I uh, read this story a number of years ago. It's always stuck with me. And of course, coming from Indiana, where I'm originally from, this was a very vivid illustration to me. High school basketball games are very prevalent and a big deal in Indiana. And uh, this father had a young girl, probably about five or six years old. He took her to the basketball game and got there a little bit early and walked her down to the floor, down to the basketball floor. And obviously, they've got the big black line that goes around the whole perimeter, which is out of bounds. And he showed his little girl, he says, now, you see this black line? 
He says, I don't want you to step over this black line. And you can run up and down the bleachers, you can run around here, but you can't cross this black line. So after instructing his daughter of, of that rule, uh, then uh, they go up, he gets his seat and so forth, and she's sitting with him for a little while, but as as rambunctious as a five or six year old little girl would be, she started running up and down the bleachers and laughing and having a good time, and then she goes down to the floor where that boundary is and sees that black line, and she takes a look back up at her father and takes a look down at that black line and takes her toe and puts it right over the to- over the the line the the black line there and looks back up at her dad as as if to say, "Yeah, what are you going to do about it?" She's pressing, she's pushing the limit. Now, in today's society, society as a as a as a rule wants to put a guilt trip on God-fearing people who hold to the Bible and its standard of righteousness uh, and its protections. They want to put a guilt trip on there, thinking that they're draconian, they're too Victorian, they're, they're too stodgy. They, they don't understand that, that we need to have freedom and liberty to do these things. I'll tell you what, God gives you freedom to do right. That's what God gives you. He gives you a freedom to do right. Society pushes these limits in the name of tolerance to satisfy their own selfish, sinful pleasures. They want to remove the public stigma for their actions. Uh, Back in the 50s and 60s, a young girl had an illegitimate birth. It was a shame, a public humiliation for the young girl and for the family. Nowadays, it's celebrated. It's celebrated. Now this, believe it or not, all started way back at the beginning. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. They had one rule. Can you imagine what it would be like to have one rule to keep? You think, oh, yeah, yeah, if, I, if that was me, I, I'd, I'd have been able to keep that rule. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. They only had one rule to follow. And you know what? That rule was there to protect them. It says, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God didn't want them to die. He wanted to maintain fellowship with them, and he had that rule there to keep them from losing that fellowship. But Adam and Eve tested the limit, and the result was catastrophic. The curses were placed on there, and among those curses was the fact that that mankind is now spiritually dead. And not only spiritually dead, but would eventually die physically. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And again, like I said, not only is that spiritual death, but it's also physical death. And that sin nature that Adam incurred by violating God's limit was passed upon all men. 
We all have now a sin nature because we are born of Adam's seed. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, uh, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And again, that the reason that we need to be born again is because we have been we we were dead spiritually because of Adam's sin, and that's why we need to be born of the Spirit of God. Now, the lure for Adam and Eve was that they might be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the idea, if you will, if give me just a little bit of liberty here, the devil's proposing to Eve that God's holding back on them, that God is limiting you, that you can be free to make your own choices, to know what it's like to be a God like God is. You can be liberated from this bondage that God is keeping you with this one rule. And therefore, the devil tempted Eve, and she fell and succumbed to the temptation. I want you to understand the devil could care less about your self-imposed or your proposed self-proclaimed rights. He didn't care at all about that. The devil has been tempting man that God is restricting man's freedom and liberty all this time. He's only interested in damning your soul to hell for eternity. That's all he's interested in. Mankind has this desire for a free society, without restraint, without limits, without conscience, without consequences. The evil we see in this world is a result of mankind pushing the limits that God has placed upon them. And what do you have? You have lawlessness. You have chaos. You have anarchy. You have confusion. (laughs) And then society has the nerve to blame God for his seeming lack of attention to man's plight. If God were a loving God, he wouldn't let this happen. If God were a loving kind, there wouldn't be any murder. There wouldn't be any sickness. There wouldn't be any mutation or deformity. There wouldn't be any starvation or war. There wouldn't be any abuse or sexual diseases or rebellion or hate or natural disasters. There wouldn't be anything like that if God were a loving God. There wouldn't be any man's inhumanity to man. They don't realize that God has allowed them the privilege, if you will, or the freedom to press those limits or go beyond those limits and then suffer the consequences of those of breaking those limits. I, I, I don't know if it, it grieves me when I see how explicit TV and movies and, and video games are today. All of these has a damning effect on society. Now, I want you to understand I don't watch these things but I am aware of them enough to know what's going on, and there's a certain evil in this world with these serial killers that are out there that you hear about from time to time. 
But then the entertainment industry do things like produce shows and movies and of, of, of serial killers to give ideas into the heads of other people to perform these atrocities. I mean, what are they thinking? I mean, there may be some that have some of these devious, devilish things in their mind and they perform these things on other people and how heinous it is. But to put it out there in the public so that you can give the idea to somebody else to do these things, it's just unconscionable. But that's society trying to push the limits that God has placed on mankind. They resist and rebel against the, the Ten Commandments. They resist and rebel against the commandments that were given by, by Paul to the church for us to live by. I, it grieves me. It really grieves me to, to see these things taking place and to know that my children, my grandchildren, are exposed to these things, knowing what I know from the Word of God and knowing what I know in my own life and, and the wickedness of my own heart. How many of us, and I want you to just stop and think about this for a moment, how many of us have rebelled against the limits that were set up by our own parents and we went against their wishes? We got into bad relationships, got into bad friendships, these things ended in disasters. Got ourselves mixed up in things that we never should have gotten involved in. Got our thing, got ourselves mixed up in, in a bad relationship that even to this day we are struggling and suffering with. It's just a horrendous thing. You look back on it now and how we've suffered sometimes physically, emotionally, from these rebellions that we had when when our parents gave us gave us these limits to protect us from these things because they knew what was out there we just decided to go on and do our own thing and god puts these limits out there to protect us keep us from getting involved in these things for, to keep us from reaping these things I can tell you there's things in my life that I had done in rebellion to my parents that I wish I had never, ever done. Heard of a testimony, and I'm not going to get into great detail, but suffice it to say this, I heard a testimony of a young man who'd rebelled against his parents. He's 12, 14 years old, hanging around boys that are 17, 18, 19 years old got involved in drinking, got involved in drugs, got involved in acts of violence. And today he's a saved young man by the grace of God. Praise the Lord for that. But looking back on his life and giving his testimony, he, he doesn't even know how he's alive today. It has to be the grace of God. But that grace of God doesn't always come through. I mean, some people can ignore God moving in their life and reject the saving power of Jesus Christ and end up suffering the consequences of all the sins that they had engaged in. God gave us limits to protect us so that we could function within 
the realms that God has placed us in. We need those limits. Without those limits, there is chaos, confusion. There's no function. There's no protection. The family is under attack. And as a whole, if you take a look at families around the world, they're in dysfunction. Marriage is not even really considered. It's just finding somebody they can shack up with and living as if they're married when they're not really married. Marriage is in dysfunction with all the other things that are going on that are trying to change the the definition of what a family is. Government is under attack. And right now in our country, it's going through the Great Reset and it's happening around the world that they're trying to change our system of government. They're trying to change our form of government. They're trying to turn it into a socialist and fascist state as opposed to a a democratic republic. They're trying to go through the Great Reset. Israel is under attack. And more and more nations are denying their sovereignty of being a nation and not allowing them to exercise their God-given right to the land grant that he has given them. The church is under attack to compromise its positions, to move away from the Word of God, to accept something that is the Word of God that's not the Word of God, to change all of the standards and limits and rules that God has set up for the church to operate and to function within this society. And now the church is in apostasy. The hope for any of these institutions and society as a whole is to submit to the limits God has placed upon them because they are there for their protection. I'd encourage each of you that are listening to my voice, whether you agree or disagree, but consider that God has put these limits there for a reason. The Ten Commandments are there for a reason. What Paul's written to the church in his epistles is there for a reason. They're not just there arbitrarily just to make us miserable and force us to conform. It's there for our protection. It's there for our function. And without those limits, it's, it's, a, it's a bad scene. The old preacher once said, back to the Bible or back to the jungle. Guys, thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Uh, you know, those are, topic is right on point. And uh, there was so much to say. There's so many um, important things that you said, but a, a couple of things that stuck out for me were when you said, um, you know, men talk about needing to be free with no restrictions. And, and you said, God gives you the freedom to do right. That's the freedom that you should be, you know, seeking for. And uh, the other point that you made, when man does wrong and reaps the consequences, then he blames God. Mm-hmm. I, I think those are those are two important points that people bring up often and uh yet they don't they don't realize you know the 
what they're actually saying and, and uh, blaming God for these kinds of things. But let me go on to Pastor Strobel, Pastor Strobel. Amen. Definitely uh, good stuff. Uh, some of the particulars in there, too, things that I've been bringing out recently in messages, and um, I think it's it's necessary that it be addressed, and I appreciate Brother Steve doing that. Um, in regard to the message today, in particular, I was thinking about uh, some verses that give that go right along with it. Um, for example, talking about how that, you know, the Lord, what people don't realize is, I think some people look at, they think that God looks down at people and everything that people think is fun, God makes a rule against. And the Lord's not like that. He, he He's doing it for our benefit. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good, always, Amen. that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. It's just, and in reality, I mean, it's just a, a functional law that sin is bad for you and righteousness is good for you. And people don't grasp that. What they want is they want to have their proverbial cake and eat it too. They want to have their sin and they want to feel good about it. They want to have their sin and not have any of the repercussions. And the fact is there are repercussions uh, for sin. And to that end, that's where they start to try to blur the lines. Uh, verse in Hosea, Hosea 5 verse 10 says, The princes of Judah were like them that remove the bound. Therefore I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. They want to take down those boundaries, take down those limitations, take down those lines of uh, demarcation that the Lord himself set up. You can take them down, but what those lines are is they're a warning sign, say, like like the line on that basketball court. You go beyond here, it's going to be a little bit dangerous for you. It can be a lot dangerous. And you can remove a sign that says uh, the bridge is out. People can go on their merry way. But when they when they can get too far and they can't stop, they're going to go plunging down where that bridge was. And that's kind of what's happening spiritually to a lot of people. Uh, in application, too, there's Proverbs twenty two twenty eight: Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. There's just landmarks that are there, again, to, to show you where things are, are supposed to stop and where other things are supposed to start. And we want to get rid of all those. <laughs> and then, um, you know, about the just the whole the whole idea of again the the safe place and the best place being uh, within those bounds. That little girl in the illustration, Brother Steve gave, she, she was safe so long as she stayed, you know, outside uh, of that line and, and didn't go out of bounds. Now, from where the basketball players were, the line was out of bounds where, where she was. But, but that kept her safe by staying within her boundaries. And there's a verse in Psalm 119, uh, verse 45. Really interesting is the way it's stated. It says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. And the world thinks it's the opposite. I'm going to walk at liberty and be free by violating the precepts and doing whatever it is that I bloody well please. Uh, forgive me, that's the way they think about it. But he says, and I, I'll walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. This, the safe place is within the bounds. Uh, illustration uh, given of a dog who's a little, little chihuahua. He's inside a fence in his backyard, right? And that fence is there, and that keeps him from wandering away. But... Um, uh, another dog wanders by um, a, a Doberman, and beware of loose Dobermans, but the Doberman comes by, and the little Chihuahua, you know, lines him up in his sights and just starts barking furiously, 
And if you could understand what that little chihuahua was saying, that little chihuahua was saying, let me out of here, let me out of here, let me at him, I'll tear him limb from limb. <laughs> but the fact is, if that little chihuahua did get outside of that fence, that Doberman would be having Taco Bell for lunch. <laughs> Amen. So, so just to close it off, you know, Jesus, he said, Jesus said, he that committeth sin is the servant of sin. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And that's where servitude is. That's where bondage is. It's in sin. And then he went on two verses later and said, if the son, capital S-O-N, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And it's good to be saved. It's good Amen. to be free. Amen. Matthew. Amen. Well, it's it's great study. And just kind of go on also along with what uh, Pastor Schobel was saying too. I mean, you know, I've heard it so many times that the Bible and God's word is so restricting and, you know, it, it does, it, it puts us in a little box and we can't do anything and it just makes our life miserable. And it's, you know, it would just be better to, you know, live your life how you want to with liberty and freedom. And it always brings me back to Second uh, Peter chapter 2. And um, in verse 17, it says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. Look at verse 18, it says, For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage. And I mean, so many people are saying, oh, don't worry about that Bible. It's an old book. You know, that Bible was written by the government to keep us under, you know, and keep us in subjection <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, you try and look down through the ages. I mean, especially t today, the government hates this book, our government anyway, most of the yeah. government, not not, of course, everybody. But, you know, I mean, because it, it speaks many times against what they're trying to ram through, you know, the government and, and policies and things like that. And you know, of course, as, as my father-in-law said, you know, I mean, we've got um, the nation of Israel and all that is, is an establishment of God. I mean, many in our country don't like the Jews in, in Israel and want to go by what the book says, especially in policies and things, foreign policy. And uh, I like uh, I saw that today, you know, foreign policy is easy as one, two, three, which is, of course, Genesis 12, three. Um, we need to bless the Jews, you know, and, uh, and the government doesn't want to go with that. So, uh, it's those that try and argue while well, this book was given to us or made or written by the government to keep us under, uh, the government doesn't go along with this book. So that doesn't hold water. And, uh, and it says right here again, we just saw that great swelling words of vanity, trying to allure through the lust. And, and that's what people will do. Oh, go ahead and drink alcohol. It'll be fine. You know, go ahead and do what you want. And, uh, verse 20 says this after it says you're brought back into bondage look at verse 20 second peter 2 24 if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them but it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow, of course, it's a, a female pig that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And I've seen it so many times. You know, I've been saved since uh, 2005, which I know is not very long compared to other people. But I've seen those get saved. And, 
you know, they, they try and stick by God's limits that he puts on us for our good and, and tries to go past all these commandments and try and live in liberty, they think, and just make a huge mess out of their lives and get entangled with the same sin that they got saved from. And it's true. The latter end was worse than the beginning and uh, before they got saved and just destroying their life. So thank God that God does uh, put limits on us and we need to make sure that we keep them for, for our good. Amen. Great study. Amen. Amen. Well, Steve, and uh, it's, you know, certainly topical for today. You know, I talked at the beginning of the podcast about Evergreen. This is, this is Bible. The Bible is never out of date. And it uh, certainly is evergreen all the time, and, and particularly particularly today with the study you brought today. So, amen. Yeah. Thanks so much. Amen. Well, hit the right button here. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for joining us again today for That's in the Bible, Episode 105, The Limits. Does God set limits? And uh, yes, he does. And as we saw, it's for our own good. Um. Anything else for the good of the cause? I don't have my cricket song. Bring your skates. We'll go ice skating. <laughs> yeah, just take us a couple of days to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bring your layers, too. That's right. Your electric long, john, long johns. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Matt, do you have, like, electric gloves or anything like that? I don't know. It's just too much work. <laughs> so I just, you know, just have some glove, glove, uh, you know, liners and get some decent gloves. Yeah. And usually after uh, the first twenty minutes, after your hand stops hurting, <laughs> then it, then uh, I don't know if it goes numb or your body just gets used to it, but it gets a little bit better. <laughs> you have those little pour, break up hand warmers you stick inside there. I've never tried them, you know. People they help. sent them to me. Yeah, I've heard they help. I just, like I said, it's just one of those <laughs> things where I just put this stuff on and go. You know what does help sometimes, though, is you put those latex gloves on and uh, you put them, uh, you know, underneath your gloves, and uh, those can keep your your warmth in, in inside and keep your hands a little bit warmer. Hmm. And then you're all set to do the dishes when you come in, so you're good. <laughs> exactly. You can put the work by your wife. That's right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, Lord willing, we'll see you for episode 106 soon. And um, Amen. Press on. Morning or night or noon. Many will, Many will meet their doom. Trumpets will Trumpets sound. Trumpets will surely sound. All of them. Dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Go 